It's Monday, so that means Chris Long here on the Ryan Russillo Podcast. We have a bunch we're going to get to, as always, our headlines, including the Colts, big win against Houston, the Lamar Show up in Seattle. Are the Saints the best team in the NFL? What's going on in Philadelphia, and how does that relate to the Carson Wentz, Dak stuff, and all of that? QB shaming. Which coaches would you want to get drunk with? That's a new back porch segment. That we're doing from the mind of Chris Long. We'll do some rapid fire questions and all sorts of other fun stuff, including a Rashid Wallace wormhole that I was in this morning for some of my prep. But we start the podcast with our presenting sponsor, State Farm. Today's episode of the Ryan Rosillo Show is brought to you by State Farm. If you're fumbling with insurance, State Farm agents are here to help because with over 19,000 agents, they're local to you and available to help. Whether you connect in person, by phone, or through the State Farm mobile app, agents are here to help. So go with the one that is coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. And we get ready. We'll use the Google Assistant here. And uh, hey, Google, call Chris Long. Calling Chris Long, mobile. Hello? Hey, what's up, man? Okay, so now that we have called up Chris Long on the Google Assistant, he joins us now. Are you surprised, Chris, that I was in a bit of a Rashid Wallace wormhole for NFL prep? I know you're probably a huge Rashid guy. That's my guess. I love Rashid. I, I have a Rashid t-shirt. Rashid's uh, allegedly driven a Bronco for a long time. I'm a big Ford Bronco fan. So he did Rashid's right. That was part of my, my research book. today. I, yeah, his Bronco. Was he it? had like the he had like the '96 Bronco, and he says, "Hey, everybody calls me OJ. My teammates call me OJ." I have a 96 Bronco, but I don't get the OJ thing a lot. That would, that would mean, have you ever hung out with Rashid Wallace? No, but me and Rashid, we should cruise. I think we'd have a lot to talk about, a lot in common. Do you ever look at some of those Florida runs where the guys wear German helmets and drive quads through strip malls like 100 deep and go, I could get into that scene? Oh, absolutely. Another scene I could get into is the Baltimore and Philly like four-wheeler scene, the Meek Mill scene. Yeah, that's like, basically just more. Shit. Yeah, there's there's less room. I'm always surprised when those guys are like, why are the cops messing with us? I'm like, I don't know. You're driving a quad through a city. But at the same time, there seem to be a lot more dangerous ways to uh, head down the road. <laughs> okay, here's... Look, if they're street legal and you got your paperwork, I'm all for it. But some of the video clips I've seen, I don't see license plates and I don't see like if you're driving through Are you through DMV a, guy? Are you DMV guy? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not DMV guy. Although the DMV thing, I saw a dude the other day and this is my whole handicap permit thing where I feel like the majority of people that have them shouldn't have them and they just know somebody at the DMV. And there was a dude, I don't want to do too many gym stories now because when I do them, I've noticed a couple guys from the gyms were like, hey, I heard you saying that. And I'm like, oh, no. So I don't. Yeah, I don't you can't. It's like you can't tweet about real people because real people might be on your Twitter. Well, that are two guys that in particular, I had said something just sort of vague about the gym. And the guy was like, are you serious? Oh, you know, I'm the subject of this. Yeah. He goes, are you were you talking about me when you said that thing on the podcast with Bill? And I go, oh. You know, and it was like, no, it might have been. Yeah, no, I, I mean, obviously I was talking no. about somebody else awkwardly spotting everyone. Um, 
I was talking about I, a different the, guy that looked who ran a 5K after parking his Porsche in the handicap spot. <laughs> no, I you know whatever. I'm just going to go I, ahead and leave that one alone. Am I wrong to uh, to take pictures of bad parking jobs and post them on my Instagram story? I got reprimanded in my DMs about that. Is it because of their license plate showing or something? Or I believe so. I got I actually got one from a lady who was like, "That's my mom's car, and she's a big fan of yours, and this is disappointing." I was like, well, well so you know what's so disappointing is, is that your mom used two parking spaces. <laughs> yeah. That's very right. disappointing. I wasn't just doing this today. How am I the bad guy? Um, wait, you talked about the four-wheelers. I want to shout the 12 o'clock boys out up in Baltimore. Ryan might be uh, a, a tag stickler, but I love, I love the wheelies. I love them. I'm not anti-wheelie. I'm just, <laughs> I have this thing, especially now living in Los Angeles, where motorcycles are just, all over the place left and right and the motorcycle people always feel like we're being the ones that are messed with and i'll just say the majority of at least the content that's posted doesn't mean it's an accurate representation of the percentage of people on motorcycles that are being messed with but what's posted 90 percent of the time i'm like that was your fault so that just listen that's yeah just and and, and drivers of of large suvs and motor vehicles they suck but we can talk oh. shit about bicycle Twitter and, and motorcycle Twitter as well. I mean, like, you guys aren't perfect. And and I think that's – but I think four-wheelers would be an improvement because you can't weave a four-wheeler through traffic. You know how you can just weave bikes through traffic? You can't do that. Top speed's not as much. Mobility's not as much. I think we moved to four-wheelers. I could see it. I could see that happening. I think of like I have these things with my friends. I'd be like, if you ever get divorced, what kind of person do you think you'll be those first couple of years? And I get to live that out now. I get to live as if I'm, I've been divorced and I don't want to, Oh, for sure. I don't want, yeah, I don't want to jinx anything with you. So we're just going to leave that one. alone. No, 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 let's not do that. Love my wife. Shout out to Meg. Um, can I, can I do my headline? Yeah. I never get tired of talking about this. You know, can you take a guess at what I'm going to talk about? Bonnaroo? No, not Bonnaroo. Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> America's team, baby, in the heartland. Coach of the year coming at you, Frank Reich. You see how much the Eagles miss him. I, I, I do think he's a big part of why there's been some growing pains post-17. Um, can you just imagine that – well, you don't have to imagine. It's true. This Colts team has a backup head coach and a backup quarterback. And they just beat the number two team in the AFC, the hottest team in football. Um, and they've been consistent, you know. Uh, and and I think having Frank as the centerpiece of this headline is accurate because a lot of what they do is this, it signifies good coaching. They were great in the red zone yesterday, 4-4. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 24 games. You're good in the red zone. You stop the run. They've been perfect the last two minutes of games defensively this year. Haven't given up a touchdown. Of course, it came down to a two-minute situation. Tip pass, Darius Leonard, great play. The Houston pickup's paying off. He had a pressure that forced an INT yesterday. He had a sack that killed a drive uh, late in the game. And he's got Jacoby playing awesome. And obviously, you know this. I'm a big Jacoby fan. I played with him in New England. I'm super happy for him. I did not foresee him being this good. I thought he could be capable. But what he showed yesterday is he answered that question of can he win them a game. They did not pick up a rushing first down. That was all Jacoby. Career high 329, 26-39, four touchdowns. And the Colts are lined up great to make a run. Three games left. 
with uh, opponents over 500. The table's set. The question for me, though, is how do they match up against New England? Uh, I, I would think they'd have a decent shot because Frank called a lot of the shots two years ago in the Super Bowl, shared those, those uh, responsibilities with Doug. They had a great marriage there. Um, I think Frank on his own with Jacoby and this defense playing pretty well could stand toe-to-toe with New England. I don't know if they could beat him. We'll see. Uh, a bye and a home playoff game, it's on the table for them. Okay. Uh, no issues whatsoever. I, did you and Frank room together for a stretch? Because you no, nah, we bar- cons- we barely talked, bro. Like he was the one in the in the building I would talk to the least. And you love him that much. That's amazing. Like because I usually with you, love- I think it's like a personal relationship thing. But no, I'm not doubting player- Frank Reich, by the way, either. I'm just, you know. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, players love him. He really there. There's something to be said again for coming up as a. A backup head coach, we all know the Josh McDaniel situation, and he was kind of second fiddle, last minute, you know, date to the prom. And Jacoby, obviously, being a backup quarterback, quote unquote, he has allowed this transition to go so smoothly. And again, we talk about Colts fans. You really are looking at three franchise quarterbacks consecutively over almost three decades or two decades, we're looking at. You know, you go from Peyton to luck, and now you've got Jacoby, who's not those guys, but has got something of his own, and Colts fans should be very fortunate that that Frank landed right at their feet and Jacoby landed right at their feet. Okay, you said something about their defense, though, that surprised me, and they were, you know, in a stretch here where Watson hadn't been sacked, I think, in 181 snaps, and we started to see this offensive line come together. They got a guy back. They make the Tunsil trade, and you're like, wait a minute, is, is Watson finally going to hold up here after getting beat up? For the most part of his career, and what looked like the first month of the season, like, oh, here we go again. Houston can't protect this guy. And with the way – it wasn't always just sacks. It was hits. Uh, the first pick by Watson was was just a bad throw by a guy that I feel very comfortable now saying, like, is a top-five quarterback. But he had an awful throw in that spot. And I kept expecting Houston to have this – the Watson – NBA, you know, basketball comp thing always comes up, but that's kind of how he feels like. Like in the NBA, the reason I always love basketball is that if you truly are one of the great players, like you can take the ball and go, everybody fuck off. Like I'm going to figure this thing out. And that's kind of cool to see. Baseball, you can't do that. Football, maybe as a quarterback, maybe as a receiver, not so much as a running back, maybe as a defensive end. But if they double team you, like you can be muted. You can be muted in football. And Watson feels like somebody who gets to a level at times with other quarterbacks, again, these top five guys, Rodgers, who go, all right, it, enough. Like, I'm figuring this thing out. And I expected that to keep happening, and this Colts defense didn't let that happen. That pick was really bad, especially, I, I mean, the first one, the second one, whatever. So he can't game. be top five anymore based on the way we evaluate quarterbacks. He threw a pick. He, he's got to drop to 15. <laughs> I'm weird this way. It takes these me a while to annoy someone. Yeah, and I don't, I don't update these like the AP poll when it comes to quarterbacks. So yeah. the reason I set that whole thing up is that you mentioned with the Colts defense you thought they could hang. Statistically, though, they have not been good. Um, if you want to go metrics, they've been one of the worst. If you want to go yardage, they're like 20th in the league against kind of everything. So it's not like, hey, we're terrible against this, but we're okay here. Points, were really good here. You see enough out of that Colts because Jacoby was awesome. And the yeah. coaching staff said, hey, we know that they're going to try to stop our run, make Jacoby beat us. Reich basically went with that, and that was the game plan. It totally worked out. But you see enough in the Colts' defense 
to put them at the New England level of the AFC? No, 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 no. I see enough in the Colts' defense to keep them in that game. You know, I I think when you match up with New England at this point, New England is a defensive football team and a damn good one. Uh, but you've got to have just enough on defense to keep the floodwaters down, you know, and that's, I think that's, that's a reasonable prospect. If they play their best game, they can keep New England within range that they can score and make it a game. Uh, I don't think they're going to, they're going to host a playoff game against New England the way it looks. Um, even though New England's strength of schedule has been questionable. Um, Terrible. I don't see no, New it's, England. It's okay. <laughs> There's no yeah, awful. It's awful. I don't see New England, though, losing a bunch of games and the Colts getting super hot and, you know, leapfrogging these teams in the AFC. I don't want to overreact. But what I am saying is that uh, I think this team is better equipped to beat this this year's New England Patriots than the Andrew Luck teams were equipped to beat the Patriots of old. And, and that's an improvement. And that comes with a shift in the way New England's playing football and a shift in the way Indy's playing football, I think. Um, you know, they're just well coached. Again, they have a they have a run game that can get going. They didn't even have to get it going yesterday as much as they have in weeks past. Jacoby knows when to manage and when to win games. He knows within a game which plays to manage and and when to turn that off and turn into a playmaker. And he made some throws yesterday where he looked like a playmaker. And they know the Patriots. I mean, Frank, like I said, has coached in a Super Bowl against the Patriots and done that successfully on the offensive side of the football. Jacoby knows uh, the way they do things there in New England. It's at least a leg up on some other teams. I'm not saying they beat the Patriots by any stretch of the imagination. I just think they have enough on defense and collectively with the way the Patriots offense has struggled. If they see the Pats, it's at least what I mean, I'm not an odds maker. What would you put the line? Colts going into Foxborough. Let's say, in a let's, say game? let's say go yeah, going into Foxborough in, in January. It's gotta be a touchdown. Vegas might do that thing where they I'm saying they six say and a half. Six and a half. Did you I'm that saying you six said? and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they might do that to hope, you know, you that would be that deal where they're like, we really want you to pick New England. But I you know, I don't know if the odds makers look at New England and say it is the worst strength of schedule. We're not is sure about Brady because they haven't been complete games, but I'm not, you know, we get, when we brought up the five quarterback things, some of the, wait a minute, are you doubting Brady? It's like, no, I'm, I'm giving. Yeah. Oh man. Pat's doubt. Twitter, bro. Remember, remember our conversation last Best week? Fans I got in the like, country. Best fans. In the oh, country. I mean like, dude, you, there were people that took that as saying, I think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than uh, Tom Brady. I mean like just this for saying Wentz for should be in the conversation of the top five quarterbacks. They're going to take this and say, I'm picking the Colts to come into New England and kick the shit out of them in January. I can't wait to open my feed today. Uh, it's ugly. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, what you got? I, all right. My headline, that's good because that was such a big win, I just think, for the Colts and the Houston momentum and they beat KC. And what are they going to do with Watson and the Colts? I don't know if it's all sort I don't like to do that every week thing. It's like, okay, the Colts have answered every single question about them. They're clearly better than Houston and they now we know this. And no, um, that's a really nice win, though. It was a really nice win where they were in control of this game throughout really the thing start to finish as, as Houston couldn't convert. Nothing better than when somebody's like, you can't win getting three. Like, no shit, really? Really? And it's, a, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal in the division. Okay. So staying in the AFC and 
the top six playoff teams as of today, Pats, Chiefs, one and two, Baltimore, three, your Colts, four, the Bills, five, which is still amazing. They're five and one, um, but it's not uh, because of who they played. And then Houston at six. I'm going with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson show up in Seattle. Now, if you want to go through the Baltimore numbers and who they've been this year, the first thing was, what is Lamar going to look like? In the first two weeks, it's incredible. Huge numbers against the Dolphins and then against Arizona. An Arizona team that's starting to figure some things out, at least running the football. I don't know that we're going to get to Kyler today. They lose to the Chiefs. That game looks closer than you think, um, than I thought it was, but it isn't a score. The Browns game, they put up uh, a bad effort in that one. And then they beat the Steelers in a spot where it looked like they probably should have lost that game. But that's okay. They beat Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is terrible. They can't block anybody. And then they go up to Seattle. So you're now sitting here going, okay, who is this team? Like, what what are the Ravens? Are they 4-2? and two? Are they really a playoff team? Is Lamar improved if people figured Lamar out? And they go and they beat Seattle. Yes, they got two defensive touchdowns, but Lamar's rushing abilities in this game showed you why he, I think, is the toughest guy to tackle in the NFL. And there are kids in college that we look at and we're like, look at the moves. No one can tackle them. And then it doesn't always translate. It is absolutely translated for him. I'm telling you, anybody yeah. that watched him at Louisville, what he would do in short yardage situations at the goal line where it's just one step and then lean another way and everybody misses even though there's 10 guys around him, it was unbelievable and it was so much fun to watch. But the Lamar thing has become very nasty because of a million different things that we can go over, but I'm not going to. The pro-Lamar camp, the anti-Lamar camp, and then where I think I'm, again, the reasonable one in all of this. Lamar Jackson has been better as a passer, but again, 500 of those yards are in the first two weeks. Excuse me, 600 yards of his 1,600 were in those first two weeks. He is number six in yards rushing overall of any position. He's number one in yards per carry. He's number one in big plays from the from um, on, on the ground. So that's 20-plus yards or more on big plays. He's on pace for 1,300 yards as a quarterback rushing, which would break Vic's record in 2006 by almost 300 yards. And if you look at him as a passer, he's 19 in passing yards a game. He's 22nd in completion percentage. He's 10th in yards per attempt. He's 6th in QBR, which gets a massive bump in their formula for running quarterbacks. He's 18th yep. in passer rating. We can argue for anti-QBR. I get it. We can argue for and against a passer rating. And this is also a defense, though, that came in 22nd in DVOA. So he is doing this kind of on his own. And that part yes. of it, Chris, is awesome. I love him. I love when he had that, that run earlier to the left and he got tripped up by the safety. And I was like, is he celebrating that? It makes sense because it was a great run. He was pissed off. I love that mm -hmm. in fourth and two after it was third and 15, and he almost converted a third and 15 in the red zone, which is insane, that they went and bring Tucker out. He talks to Harbaugh. Harbaugh explained it all last night. He's like, you know what? Lamar's like, I got it. I got it. And not only did he convert it, he gets a touchdown. He is carrying this team. He is actually in a weird way, in a non-traditional way. Like he's, I'm not saying he's the MVP, Chris, but I think he's a no, candidate. No, but you're, you're right. But it's also okay it's also okay to point out that he actually is doing this more on the ground than through the air, even though the air portion of this looks steadier, more sustainable, but he has struggled passing, and all of these things are okay, and it doesn't put you in some box where either you hate Lamar or you love Lamar, the quarterback. Well, that's where we are. Um, I, I think I love staying away from Lamar because Lamar is the new politics. It really is. I mean, 
on Twitter. Um, you know, that you're either just vehemently defending him unrealistically or you hate him for some reason because you were sure, A, that he wasn't going to translate or you rode that he needs to play wide receiver train, which is absurd well, who because, did that? as you mentioned— Napoleon is like the one guy. That but it's not a straw man. It's not a straw man because on Twitter, we're talking about Twitter, we're talking about fans. There were a number of fans who went with that narrative, um, whether that was a disingenuous narrative or it was one that they truly believed. It's not true. As you mentioned, the passing has improved from year one to two, and I think that's a great sign. It tells you that he takes his craft seriously. He seems to be a leader. He's the MVP of that team. You could make a case for, you know, MVP is not necessarily the best player, um, but he is the most valuable player to that in that division. I mean, you 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 would have to you would have to say he is, right? Uh yeah, honestly, I mean, Cincinnati, no one. Pittsburgh, no, no one. one. No, you're right. I actually there should have been any hesitation. I just there's, want to double there's check. There's no right. discussion there in the North. He's the most valuable player in the North. He's the king of the north. He he's John Snow. <laughs> he's John Snow. Uh, let's see if that sticks. Uh, he is possibly one of the most valuable players in the league. Um, n- getting lost in this whole conversation is, you know, we had two big trades this week. Not that you know, Peters had a pick six yesterday. Seemed to be paying dividends already. I was going to be interested to see him tackle in the AFC North in that cold weather, but he can still <laughs> jump routes and. My man is a playmaker. I mean, and immediately he shows up. And by the way, Jalen Ramsey showed up right away, forcing a fumble down in that game. But I I think Baltimore this year, MVP-type performance by, by Lamar with room for improvement in the passing game. Ingram was a great addition. And that was a big trade for them. Their upside is really high. That's the thing. I mean, you see them play some teams where they play down and he's not as good. But their upside is really high. I do think he's a, he's a player that can win a playoff game because it's, it's unpredictable. As a defender, if I'm getting ready to play Lamar Jackson or uh, or or a mo- or a stationary quarterback, I'm a little bit afraid to play Lamar Jackson. It adds another element to the game for coordinators, for rushers, for all types of players on the field. You know, for guys in coverage, if they're in man, you can't play as much man. You can't just run down the field and uh, plaster receivers with your back turn because uh, your rush lanes have to be perfect. And that changes the entire um, complexity of the game. Is it complexity or complexion? Because people fuck that up a lot. Complexity. Nice. I'm going to go with complexity. Um, but I'll admit there's a part of me that you're in my head a little now on it. Yeah, right? So, you get afraid. Um, yeah, a factor involved in a complicated process or situation. Couldn't have used it better. Nice. Nice. Good nice. job, Chris. Nice work out of you. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see him against the Pats. They get him after the bye week this week. I thought oh, the win up in Seattle fun. was huge. And you know, one of my favorite Teddy Brewski things ever is... I would ask about Le'Veon, right? So I'd watch Le'Veon against the Pats, and I'd go, why are the Patriots just so much better against a Le'Veon Bell than other teams? And he'd be like, all week long, Bill and the coaches would be saying, stopping him at the line, two, three-yard gains, all wins for Le'Veon Bell. Don't run upfield, freaking out, and lose contain. And then as Brewski's doing this, we're both in suits getting ready to go on Center, and he's grabbing me by the tie and shirt collar, as he's he's like, this is what I do. I was like, I get up, 
I hold it, I hold, I hold, and then I'm I'm in the play. You know what I mean? Right. I don't want to get upfield. He goes a five yard tackle for a tackle for a loss for five yards against Le'Veon Bell. He's like, Bill would bring us over and go, that's bad. That's bad. That's not what we want to do. So Le'Veon, who, by the way, on the Jets, the second worst rushing team in the NFL so far this year, as good as he is against teams that are undisciplined, I can't wait to see the Belichick just in your head all week leading up to that game after the bye again, where the Pats are going to just be in everybody's head. You can't lose contain on this guy. So Lamar well, yeah. is just a different and, guy, he's, but he's different. I mean, he's faster, and he doesn't actually get – I'm worried about his durability, Chris, but he doesn't really get popped. He just doesn't because and, and, and there's some quarterbacks that take big hits, right? Yeah, you know, like some not. guys get out of bounds better. Some guys have a way about them. Some guys don't know how to fall, right? Some guys don't know how to slide. I think what's true what you said about New England, what they do really well is if a team has a really pronounced strength that's very singular and it's focused, they take that away well. I mean, it's better to have your weapons spread out playing New England than it is to have one really great strength. And the way we're talking about the Ravens, obviously they have Ingram. Uh, but Lamar is a huge key. They'll have something for him. I love what you said about Le'Veon because it's very true. I mean, I remember we played the Steelers, and uh, you don't want to get on different levels. And by getting on different levels, it means the three techniques high, the fives at the line, uh, the shade is is two yards deep. Like, that's where Le'Veon thrives. So you're absolutely right, and obviously you are because you talked to Teddy. Um, they used to say, build a wall. We're not interested in you getting upfield. Build a wall. Be patient because he'll dance and he'll dive right into three bodies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a credit to New England and the way that they game plan, and it'll be an interesting game. Okay, good stuff. I think that was – I'm going to bill that as the most fair Lamar segment you'll hear this week. You he you heard it here, fair and balanced, <laughs> um, unlike Fox News. I don't think we have a lot of Fox News people listening to our show. I'm not trying uh, to We might. We might. So I, Let's I'd move rather... the best plane ride. I don't want to get political. We should dump that. Okay, give me uh, give me your best best. Let's start best plane ride, and then we'll get the worst. Well, best best plane ride uh, came down to the Niners or the Rams for me. Two big wins for those teams in the same division. Two flights west after early games that you know the Niners played. I think it was one of the quickest games in 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 the past few years. It was over in I think under three hours. You love that as a player especially when you're playing in a torrential downpour, puddles, cold weather. And cold weather's bad, but it's better in December and January, even if it's colder because you've had time to get used to it. This was like the first weekend where it's like, damn, it's a little chilly. And then you add the rain in there. I'm going to give it to the Niners because I love getting a nice hot shower after you kick somebody's ass, getting on a plane, putting that jumpsuit on. I'm going to go ahead and imagine that they – the players on that plane get to sit first first class because I think Shanahan's probably a player's coach. Some coaches don't have guys in first class. Some coaches have the coaches in first class, which is absolute bullshit. They didn't hit anybody that day. And you've got, you know, I don't want to name any names that'll give away which coaches have their players riding in coach, but you have <laughs> the three big offensive linemen um, and they're sitting in, in you know, three seats if coach. Uh, I think the Niners had a wonderful flight back to the Bay, and they were home early enough to go out and party after a nice nine to nothing ugly throwback win. So some teams put the players in first class, and other teams put them in coach. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tell you who does put players in first class though. If Bill Belichick can sit in coach 
and put his older and good players in first class with the sleeper seats on those long flights, then anyone can do it. If Bill Belichick is willing to sit and coach, other head coaches need to take notice. One of the first things older players do when they size up a coach is, where does he have me sitting on the plane? <laughs> and, and if the GOAT is putting players in first class and he's sitting in coach, guy's got six Super Bowl rings and his ass is sitting back there in 17C with the guy in front of him. Probably nobody's going to recline in front of Bill, right? No, you can't. But you know Bill reclines. That's okay, because I respect the hell out of this right now. It makes me like Bill more. That because that's an easy thing to do. And it just makes sense. And honest, like think all the equity you buy for just going, all right, I'll go comfort plus. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, not only are you half my size, but you don't have to hit anybody. And like the worst thing for a player is to be in a metal tube for three to five hours, not drinking enough water in a seated position where your hips are off. That's like, literally, I feel much better retired. And it's not because I'm not hitting anybody. It's because I don't sit in meetings and on planes all week. I mean, it's just better. So what's your best plane ride? It's Baltimore. I was going to go with the Chiefs where Matt Moore got on the front of the plane. He's like, now it's my fucking time. And everybody <laughs> cheers him on. But I don't, I don't believe I don't that he that said happened. that. <laughs> I don't think that happened. I don't think he said. Speaking of Matt Moore, and this is not an anti-Matt Moore thing, but there is a rule on any broadcast, and granted, these are all national broadcasts at the NFL, but when the backup comes in, it is it must have been some law that was passed. I got to dig into this a little bit more, but it doesn't matter who the backup is. But once the backup comes in, the announcers will be like, hey, this Dave Ragone, he can play a little bit. He... Uh, <laughs> You know, big time college. He's not afraid of the uh, moment. He's been in a lot of systems. Like mm-hmm. I've always been a big Dave Ragone fan. He's and, been in nine systems. Remember when he uh, <laughs> lit up the Mac in in '06? You see, and I'm just using Dave Ragone as just a name because I thought it was funny. But no matter who comes in, pay attention to this, everybody. No matter who comes in as the backup, the broadcast will just they'll never go. Well, this one's over. And they like this kid. Yeah, yeah, they like that. You talk to the coaches around the facility, this kid's got a great attitude. He's really good in the room. He'll make mm-hmm. you look, he can he's spinning a little bit. He can do some things. They like him. I will say this though, you watched that Kansas City game the other night. I hope Mahomes gets well soon because not only is he awesome, we all love him, but he's a good person. Uh I've never seen a hockey player dislocate their knee and and walk off the, the uh, ice. So um I just want to throw that one out there. It's fair. And look, football player shifts are usually a lot longer unless it's three and out. Way longer. Way longer. Way longer. Those long drives, like five times as long as the average NHL shift. Totally agree with you. Okay. Worst plane ride. Uh, I'm going to say the Eagles, unfortunately. Do you disagree? No. Division game. Okay. You go first. You know, I don't even need to. I, I, I mean, I could sit here and and say, uh, you know, do the Dolphins? Like, if the Dolphins are sitting there going, we were close on this one. I mean, they were right in that game with the Bills. I'm watching that the whole time, going, wait a minute, the Bills are four and one. I mean, I know they're four and one. I know they're five and one now, but you know, division game, right? Throw out the records. 
throw them yeah, out. Look, just like look, that's 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 one thing. That's one thing that's as said as as uh, this guy can really he can do some things. The Chargers probably didn't have a great time in Tennessee, and no. the headline was very clicky, where it's like Chargers say we won the game twice, and it was you know lost, and you go, all right, let me read this. Were you guys really saying that the calls were bad? Because Melvin Gordon fumbled, like he straight up fumbled at the goal line there, and it's an awful play. And yet, once again, and we'll get to Chargers talk a little bit later, yeah. but it's it's Phillip Rivers. He said 36, 37 game-winning drives in his career. I go, yeah, because he's had 412 opportunities. So we'll get to that yeah. a little bit later. Let's, let's just not waste any time. It is the Eagles housed Sunday night. Yeah, I'm going to say it's the Eagles. Uh, you know, when Doug was asked about after the game, is this your worst loss? In your tenure here, he said one of the two worst. He thought for a second, and I believe he probably thinks it's the worst. But he couldn't say that because he knows that headline's a lot clickier than one of two. So uh, you've got the ano- you've got the anonymous sources. Uh, you've got the fact that they arrived probably about five a.m. and the city's probably already burning because it is um, it's the shit is hitting the fan a little bit. And I know I know I said neither team had to win this game. I mean, shoot, if the Eagles lost this thing thirty to twenty eight, and the Cowboys look good and the Eagles look good. It's not a must win. They're not out of it, but it's an ugly loss. Um, and it was over pretty early. I mean, the the two first quarter turnovers, that's just not the, that's not the way, that's not the formula to win on the road, especially on a team that's got their two tackles back. We said we weren't sure what would happen. We, wouldn't sure, we weren't sure if the tackles would play. Weren't sure if Cooper, Cooper would play. All those guys played. They get down 14-0. Carson pressed a lot the rest of the game. Um, and the Eagles are the only team to allow 20-plus points in the first half five times this year. Wow. Uh, so the starts are not good. No, for, spotting the other team 14 at their place a few minutes into the game isn't always a good plan. Bad formula. And, you know, I understand the Carson thing, and we'll get to that, but there's a lot of other stuff going on defensively for the Eagles. You know, Dallas got got everybody back offensively, and they look like a different team. But the Eagles' secondary has been... A trouble spot. Let's just say that. Um, Zeke up front, 22 for 111 and a touchdown. He's the first 100-yard rusher that the Eagles have allowed this year. They're the number two rush defense in the league. Uh, the last guy to do it, go for a century against them, was Zeke in week 14 last year. And they they went for 189 on the ground total. So it wasn't just Zeke. Uh, you know, you you lose, I think, Ridgeway early for, for a span. Um, you know, Fletch doesn't seem to be fully healthy, fully back. I know he had to go to the tent last night for a second. Um, Dak had a really good game. You know, I, I still, I'm not going to do the thing where now because I'm not going to be Will Kane and I like Will on some stuff. But wow, but, doesn't you know, sound like you do right now. You just I don't you just like went Will, Will when Kane uses, out of nowhere. Well, I don't like Will when he uses he cherry picks the you know because Dak played really well and Carson didn't play so well. It's you know. It's just that straw man thing. And it's never a straw man. It's, it's a contentious uh, disagreement. It's an NFC East quarterback battle. I get it. But do we have to compare the two guys religiously? Dak had a really good game last night. He also, by the way, we complain about how many drops Carson's had. 19 drops for Cowboys receivers this year. That's tied for second in the NFL. His uh, completion percentage would be even better. Um, Dallas... So let, let me let me keep you on that though, because that I think is is the interesting part about this. We've got this Eagles defense that we know was bad against the pass, and now you know that start is brutal. 
but this isn't new, right? I mean, Minnesota just absolutely lit him up. Zach Brown, linebacker, says the easiest thing to prepare or easiest thing to attack is Kirk Cousins. He gets cut. Peterson's like, we're going to go down there and win this game. It's not even close. Wentz, I know about the drop ball stat because he has he has stuff in there where it's like on deep throws, he's got the second most drops of any quarterback in the league so far. So we're doing all these different things. Without Deshaun, too. I mean, like you, you, you have a huge piece that you ship in that really would transform the offense, but he's got something going that seems like it could be a year-long thing. And Doug was confident. Obviously, there was the, the comments that I think he was trying to galvanize the team. Listen, he's won 33 coin tosses since he's been in uh, Philly. He defers almost every time. That was only his second time last night he said, let's take the ball. And he did it on the road, and it backfired. And I don't blame him for that. Uh, I like kicking the ball on the road, um, or I like receiving the ball on the road. The biggest telling stat for me last night with Dak and with Carson, there's two things. First, Dak played really well under pressure. Seven blitzes, and the Eagles have not been surgical with their blitzes. Seven blitzes, seven for seven, 79 yards, and a touchdown for Dak. I mean, that's that's un, unreal. And then another big stat is Dak was pressured five out of 31 passing snaps, and he got the ball out. So that's part of it. You know, he was at 2.6 seconds per throw, where Carson was pressured 13 out of 31 snaps throwing the football. And so you look at that initially, and you say, well, what's up with the Eagles O-line? Of course, Lane got beat, really uncharacteristic for him, get beat by Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus is a great player, hadn't had a sack against Lane ever. This is the first one. But the problem with 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 the narrative that 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 the Eagles O-line has was worse last night because of all that pressure is that Carson wasn't getting the ball out. You know, he went in averaging a 2.7 snap to release. Last night is 3.3. That's an eternity. You know, like he and and that's the problem with with Carson last night and in games where you're spotting teams 14 points, like the Minnesota game, you know, like the Green Bay game, which they came out on top. But when Carson and his upside is huge, he's got that big arm. He can make all the throws. He made some great throws last night. He had some moments. He had some bad moments, too. But when Carson's pressing and any quarterback does when they're routinely down 14 nothing or giving up 20 points defensively in the first half, he, he gets even more off schedule. And it puts the O-line in a bind. And I just think he's a little bit better if he's – he doesn't have to be a game manager. He has a, a playmaker arm. But sprinkle a little game manager in there and you'd be a lot better off. Help me understand then the bigger Carson Wentz thing, okay? Because it is complicated in the rare instance where this guy's on an MVP-type season run, gets hurt, Nick Foles comes in, wins a Super Bowl, doesn't just win a Super Bowl, he puts up a huge number on Bill Belichick. And I remember yes. before that Super Bowl, I was like, maybe I'm going to pick the Eagles. Maybe I'm going to pick on them. I'm like, really? Nick Foles against Belichick? Like, come on, dude. You can't do you that. You didn't share and this with me. That would well, be illegal, was, though, if you shared that with me because I'm a player and you can't talk gambling with players. No, it wasn't about gambling. It was just oh. for the sake of the show. Like, what are you going to do? And every time I pick mm. New England and something's like, oh, you're just doing that. And you're like, well, it hasn't been a bad thing to just sort of do. But I was, I was worried about that Patriots defense going into that matchup. So... Whatever you were, I mean, I'm, you were I'm right, and they, but they were ten point favorites, so it wasn't like you were going out on a limb. I mean, no, I just but just then I, I, I'm just sitting there. I go, I couldn't get past the the fact that you're really going to pick Nick Foles against Belichick, and I should have. Okay, so you have a weird dynamic where the city is so happy about what you guys did there, but now there's this anti Carson thing, and it and it almost becomes this this QB shaming. You know, we have fat shaming, we have mm -hmm. we have slut shaming. I think we have QB shaming, where as soon as things are a little off the rails, 
now we start to hear about, well, you know what? This guy kind of sucks. And there was the anonymous source stuff about Carson going back to the beginning of the year. It happened again with some Jacina Anderson reports, which has caused a whole shitstorm in Philadelphia. And people trying to figure out it is. A Philadelphia reporter just flat out said it's definitely Alshon Jeffrey. I have no idea. I'm just giving everybody the timeline here where Peterson's like, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. We're not throwing deep enough, but now we're not throwing short enough. We're not checking down. Ertz, tight end, said it's weird because in January it said we didn't check down enough and now we're checking down yeah. too much. So now you have this, whatever's going on, somebody's talking and it seems to come back on like that Wentz may not actually be, I'm not assuming I know what kind of teammate he is, but this is now twice with less, what, less than 12 months where it's like Carson's in a weird spot where he feels like he's still trying to prove himself either to the fan base or to certain teammates. And still, it's a lot of guys. It's 50 guys. If you ask 50 guys about me, you're going to get a completely different set of answers. But what can you tell me about Carson and how you see this story, both from being in this locker room and now this year being out of it? Well, I've always said, and I said this at the beginning of the year, I said their biggest strength might be their biggest weakness because it's hard to keep everybody happy when you have that many options. Uh, and obviously the Jackson injury hurt them, so they're underneath more. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, I would press too if I were Carson. I mean, there's a statue of Nick Foles outside the out the outside the building. I don't care if everybody knows you're a franchise quarterback. It's it's hard, you know. Like you felt like that year where you're having an MP, MVP campaign. That that ring is yours. Yeah, I mean, like you can go get. He had an opportunity. I think if we're in the playoffs, I think it ended up just the same. Now, that's not to take anything away from Nick. Nick did the, you know, did exactly what he needed to do and more. He was historically good in that Super Bowl. Um, but it took time for Nick to warm up and get going. And I think Nick would tell you that Carson's a great quarterback. And here's what's been happening. There's this narrative that was bubbling up after last year when Carson's hurt. And it depends on the quarterback. Like, if there's injuries, we cape for some guys. We don't cape for others. Carson was yeah, hurt last year. Yeah, if you like year. a guy, right. Like if, if you, you, you like a guy, him, if you, don't you don't like him, he's right. Carson was 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 hurt last year and wasn't great. So this year, clean slate, he's worked out, uh, he's he's shed some pounds, he's changed the way he trains, he's healthier, and he comes out and he looks really good. In all the losses to date, except for last night, I didn't think he generally looked bad at all. Um, they have two more wins if players catch balls in the Atlanta game and the Detroit game. Like, those are facts. And I don't think that there would be this bubbling uh, headline ready to overflow if it weren't for those drops and some of the injuries. And then last night, he didn't play well. I mean, quarterbacks have bad games. There's no way you can tell me he is not a franchise quarterback. I just don't believe it. His ceiling's too high. Uh, we can't cherry pick. And uh, what he could do is not press as much. But what goes into that is you can't spot teams 14 points routinely. You just can't. Some quarterbacks are good in those situations. Carson, he can come back and win a game, but trying to do too much, that's not necessarily the formula with him week in and week out. You can do that a couple times a, a year, but giving up that many points in the first half for them, spotting teams points on the road, um, it's, it's not a formula that's sustainable. And you know, I just think we jump we jump on the Carson thing way too much uh, because, again, we have to compare everything. We have to compare Dak and Carson. We have to compare Nick and Carson. All three players are different. And by the way, can you remember another quarterback that was that good and had an MVP caliber season and then people wrote him off two years later saying, like, he's not the guy? 
Yeah, it would have to be somebody who's towards the end of their career, not what you would think entering their prime years. And the argument for Dak, it would is have to be golf. About, Honestly, golf is it. Golf you is know, going I, through it right now. Yeah, yeah, golf I is going through it. But if you can't see how they're two different quarterbacks, I can't help you. Can I? I want to follow up on that for a second. But can you at least give me better perspective on the locker room part of this? Where, yeah. like, how mad do you guys get when you have to hear about somebody bitching about the franchise quarterback, even if they're right about it? I was bummed about that. I, I was like, and and no, I don't think they're right about. It. I mean, like. Last year, it was complaints about leadership, over-targeting Zach Ertz. Like, listen, he targeted Zach Ertz a ton last year. Zach was also very good. Uh, could he have spread the ball around a little bit more? Sure. But I think he probably took that to heart, took the criticism, didn't lash out at anybody, didn't start screaming or kicking and and coming in and motherfucking people over. Listen, if I was him and there's people in the building that are talking about the franchise quarterback to reporters, you got a problem. Come say it to me. And, you know, a lot of people tried to make last year's leak. There was a big article questioning his leadership and his decision-making, et cetera. They tried to make it, you know, uh, an Alshon thing. They tried to make it, uh, you know, what a, a source told me that it wasn't Alshon. Wait a minute. You've okay? been told it's not Alshon Jeffrey. Last year. Now, last year. Now, this year, now, this year, there's the Jacina thing, which is disappointing again. And again, people are trying to make it Alshon. But you heard something about that. Well, yeah, no, I brought it up that a reporter in Philadelphia said that it was it was Alshon. And, and by the way, just to clarify, you're not disappointed. You're disappointed in the Jacina story, just so we have that right. I'm, yeah, I'm right. disappointed. I'm I'm disappointed with any player that has an issue with a teammate and doesn't come to that teammate and goes to a reporter. There there have been situations where reporters have come to me because I'm media friendly and tried to get me to sink people or sink you know coaches or like and i just don't do it because it's bullshit that's not the way you do things and especially you know if you want your if you're if you want your team to be successful you have a man-to-man conversation with the person you think is the problem if you think they're the problem and by the way carson is not the problem in philadelphia he's just not two more teams that we definitely have to get to here and we've got to get to the saints because you think they're the best team in the nfc we'll do that um but i want to transition out of this quarterback stuff because of the when things go wrong let's start talking about these guys and it's just it's just what happens and stuff that comes out from behind the scenes or maybe right in front of our faces but just a couple of weeks ago kirk cousins was apologizing to adam thielen for not getting the football and then his head coach zimmer was like yeah i don't really like that i don't know if you've met kirk i've interviewed <laughs> him a bunch of different times and he is a dude that is as polished as anyone when it comes to talking to people, when you're young and you're that way, it is so impressive to older people because older people are like, this guy's going to be Senator. I mean, that was his nickname, the Senator for a little while, but mm. I was not a Kirk guy. I, I don't know that I ever have been. And I'm not saying that anybody, you know, nobody's in, there's not a long line of people waiting to compliment the Redskins and how they've run their football organization over the last few years. But there was part of me, I didn't admire their PR bullshit about the contract they offered him because that was just trying to play on people and assuming everybody was a dummy and couldn't figure out NFL contracts. If you want to go back and look at some of the Bruce Allen stuff that he said. But I admired them going, you know what? We just don't think you're that guy. We just don't think you're that special. Your record against good teams isn't that great. It's actually terrible. And even though we don't have a great answer, we're not paying the quarterback contract insurance for a guy that we don't really like. The reason I even bring any of this stuff up is I think for me, it does have more to do with personality where I maybe grade a guy down more just because I think of like the dude. And I'm like, is this really who you are? Are you this polished? Are you actually, 
very calculated in the way you are. Because I think sometimes guys that are so polished, I think they're calculated. And I'll never forget, and it's just sort of a stupid story, but one of my first guys I ever lived with when I was younger, his approval rating the first couple days of hanging around on campus was over 100. I'm telling you, it was everybody loved this guy. How's it going to everybody? Friendlier, girls loved him. He was the guy. He was like Ferris Bueller, but in college. And I, it went on for like a month or two. And I was closest with him. And then after a couple months, I went, I think this guy might suck. And I <laughs> confided in one of our other friends. I go, I know, I know what, what's going to happen here. I was like, but I just, I think a lot of this is bullshit. And I think this guy might suck. And the guy that I confided in to said, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, don't ever say that again. He's the man. And <sighs> I'm going to kick your ass if you start talking junk about him because everybody loves him. And I was like, yep, that totally backfired. And then by the end of the year, that guy was like, hey, you were totally right. That guy sucks. And I was like, yeah, I know. Oh, so I he know. didn't kick I your know. ass. You didn't no, catch he didn't, a fade. No, he would have. Both guys would have absolutely pummeled me um mm. back then and you know who knows maybe now today still but the reason i bring that up is that it's always something that when i think like okay how does kirk cousins play in the locker room with this approach and then it becomes a thing when they start to struggle and now we have a three-week stretch where kirk cousins has arguably put together the best three weeks we've seen from a production standpoint in NFL history. I mean, there are numbers out there that'll say what he just did in these three weeks hasn't been done before. You can laugh about it being the Giants. You can make fun of the Eagles secondary, but they put it on the Lions for 42 points against a Lions team that I know you've kind of sneaky liked, and now the Vikings are sitting there at 5-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, um, you mentioned him having to apologize to Thielen a couple weeks ago, and Zimmer didn't like it. Um, this is a guy that he the rep is that he overthinks things a little bit. He tries to be perfect, which can be a good thing, but it can't paralyze you. And I think at times he's had that problem. And I think sometimes as a player, when you try to play perfect, and I've done it over spans in my career, obviously never played perfect, but as somebody who can be very overthinky and analytical, you have to fail. You have to hit rock bottom sometimes to say, well, scrap that shit. I'm not perfect. Like everybody hates me right now. I might as well go out and play. And I think that Chicago game might have been a little bit of that for Kirk. Uh, granted, you mentioned the the opponents haven't been extremely impressive, impressive the last three weeks, but there was no span on that 98 team that was more productive over three games. And, and that's the Vikings' like heyday. They are number one in the red zone. They've allowed six sacks the last three weeks. They, did, they allowed six sacks in the Bears game alone. Um, Play action has been the key, though. You know, 300 yards, 130 rating, three straight games, but play action yesterday was the key. 13-18, 209, three touchdowns just in play action, and he's thrown six touchdown passes with play action the last three games. Each game, 150 yards through, through the air with play fakes. And uh, and that's a that's a formula that we've talked about all year being a winning formula for them. Dalvin Cook, the zone stuff the new scheme, keep him clean. And it's easier to do against the Lions and the Eagles lately and the Giants. But the next couple weeks, you've got Washington. Uh, I think you have Dallas coming up. Um, and 
you've got some teams that he can continue to move the ball through the air against and pick up the momentum. If he's the good Kirk, they're really hard to beat. And that's really, it's just that simple. We don't have to waffle on him and go back and forth. If he sucks, he sucks. And if he's the good Kirk, they're as good as anybody in the NFC. He has, in his last three games, he's 68 to 90, so over 75% completion rate, 976 yardage, 10 touchdowns, one pick. He's the only quarterback in NFL history with three straight games of at least 300 passing yards and a QB rating of 130 or better. Having said all those things, I just think we disagree about him, and I don't know if it's personality or the fact that, which is totally unfair, and it's a bullshit reason by me, this reason means more. <laughs> that was a good defense last year. I know it's an O-line issue and Dalvin's um, – unavailability where we're seeing now again kind of back to our Dalvin love like what this guy can really do but they went eight seven and one with that team last year and he is after that Bears loss five and 27 against teams with a winning record he's six and 13 in prime time so if Kirk Cousins is holding up the NFC championship trophy at the end of the year and playing in a Super Bowl I'm not saying he has to win a Super Bowl you know hell it could be a game where he puts up a bunch of points maybe the defense gives up something maybe I'll pivot a little bit but I still think there's more evidence to let you know he's going to let you down than the guy that we've seen the last three weeks, even though the guy the last three weeks has been just lights out. No doubt. I mean, and, and I, I, I'm not totally disagreeing with you on that. All I'm saying is that the quality of that roster, it's just relevant when you talk about him. And so like as good as they are in a lot of other places, and it's an if, as you said, it's a big if, if he gets hot down the stretch and his confidence builds, because a lot of what it is with somebody who overthinks and overanalyzes is, you need confidence, and that lets you just go out and let it fly. I think, you know, another team we didn't mention, he's playing coming up, the Chiefs. They're ailing on the back end. Um, they're not a tremendous defense. He's going to move the ball there. So he could he could go on a four- to six-week tear here that that he feels pretty good about himself going into November and December. I do think it is something worth paying attention to, though, that whole QB shaming thing where when things start to go south, you'll start hearing things about him. And that was a weird thing with Cousins. The Wentz thing is more pronounced. Hell, it even happened with Brady a little bit at points last year where he and Belichick were on completely different pages. But if that were always true, then we'd have an anonymous source saying Trubisky murdered people. Like, hey, you right. know what? Like, hey, how do you feel? But, but you know, Mitch may have killed a dude. I did hear a rumor. Week. <laughs> I did hear a rumor. Let's get to the Saints, but first let's have some fun. Yes, Saints fans. We actually, when we finished last week's pod, we were bummed out. So we are going to spend a good deal here coming up on the Saints. But first, Chalk has launched from Chris Long. It is new media company. He's going to tell us a little bit about that. And then we're going to transition into his new segment called The Back Porch, where my man just sits out there looking over the Virginia topography and comes up with ideas. And these are a little <laughs> different. <laughs> these are a little different with than, hey, I think the Colts are good. With a little help. Um yeah, I'm excited. It's been a long week, man. We launched Chalk. It's my little digital media company. I've had a bunch of people congratulate me, and I've said, well, don't congratulate me yet. Uh, make sure we don't suck. I think we're going to be good. I don't think we're going to suck. I think the interview um, show that we have coming out, Fishbowl, which features Aaron Donald in episode one, which we, we released last week, is going to be cool, man. I, I We've gotten really good reviews. We got Aaron to open up, talk to me for over an hour. You just don't see that anywhere else. I'm not tooting my horn, but I'm saying it's nice being a player, having unique access to guys. And everything we do is going to be funny, edgy. We won't be on brand. We will not um, compromise the X's and O's, but you know, it, it'll be a lot of fun. And next week we have DJ Premier, who you love. 
on the fishbowl. Um, so check out our I YouTube think he channel might on think Chalk. Preem, there's, there's a concern that since I've met him, and I wouldn't blame him for this getting lost in the shuffle, but I think Preem thinks he's texting Mike Greenberg. No. So when, so when he had the new J. Cole guru <laughs> thing come out, and I was like, hey, man, thank you for this. You know, I don't bug him a ton. There may have been one late night call. But uh, oh god! <laughs> and he was like, "Hey, Greeny sounds pretty different." <laughs> and he uh, he texted back. He's like, "You know, I'll I'll love Mike." And I was like, <laughs> "So I think you do kind of look like a Mike. You kind of <laughs> do look like a Mike, though. So maybe it's just the fact that you look like a Mike." No, because he's like, I went up to say hello and I wanted to pay my respects, and then he was like. Oh, you pay dude. your respects like, to people that die. You don't pay your respect. You no, know, you got to pay your respects to DJ Premier because yeah, he just do. came Bring in the spot. The and then he had like these UFC dudes with him and they were looking at me going, hey, you can fuck off. And I went, you no. get that a lot, don't you? You got uh, that with Mike Jones. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. That's true. Maybe I do. <laughs> Maybe I do. But Preem was like, no, he's like, you know who this is? He's like, he's cool. And then it's everybody Mike was Every This is <laughs> remember Mike and Mike. Hey, remember the, the great show, Mike and Mike, that defunct show that <laughs> Imagine Mike being Greenberg a went off to like, do his solo stuff? Yeah, you're at 2 a.m. West Hollywood spot. Be like, you don't remember this guy's teases on Mike and Mike? Unbelievable. <laughs> the ad reads. Hey, uh, but Primo is the man. And like 80s interview was super cool. Obviously, yesterday it was relevant already. We talked about, the, you know, a whole host of things on, on Donald, this interview, including. The Donald interview that you did, and, and people could say I'm biased because I like you. It's one of the best player interviews I've ever seen. So Thank you. seriously, feel that. great about it. Yeah. Well, I do. I feel I've, I was terrified when we released it. Uh, I had so much anxiety. I popped a couple candies after a long day and went to the airport to travel home. I was on a chalk media tour this, this week, naturally. It's stressful uh, for you. And so I had to let off some steam and I popped a few candies and got on the plane and, uh, we're launching it at like 8.05 and I'm taking off at 8.30. You know when you get on, you board and your phone dies? We're supposed oh, no. to launch and I'm scared shitless. I got to go the whole flight not knowing if people hate it or love it. Uh, it was, it was you know, that on top of the turbulence and my bag not getting in. It was a rough night, but when I turned my phone back on, people were very happy with it, so I'm good. One of the things we talked about was the AD fight thing. It, it came up yesterday with Devontae Freeman, who I respect for being scrappy and taking a swing at him, but... AD flat-footed, had him up there like he was his child. And one of the questions we asked AD was like, do you think anybody can beat you up? Um, and he laughed at that question. It's <laughs> like, Jesus. You know, there's some people out there I know can kick my ass. I mean, you can question my manhood for saying that. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to fight him, but <laughs> Brock Lesnar, it's not going to go well. Yeah, that's okay to admit that you think Brock Lesnar would get the best of you. you know? He might. He probably will. He probably would drag me across the floor, bro. That's what he does for a living. But AD, he laughed it off like nobody can beat AD up. He said, well, maybe my dad and my brother. But you know that's a courtesy thing. So do you, of all the guys you've played with, is Aaron Donald, we know how tough of a player and tough of a matchup he is, but that's, like, would you pick him against everybody else in a fight? Oh, uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, I'm taking um, Aaron Donald and William Hayes. And Eugene Sims, three of my St. Louis D line mates, were going into any alley. I feel pretty good with those guys next to me. Who who would you pick in a fight between Aaron Donald and your brother Kyle? 
AD's got leverage. Yeah, but I don't Kyle's think there's just many a, guys. Kyle's a bear, bro. Kyle's just <laughs> Kyle's a guy you could just you could give him a glass bottle, he'll chew it up and spit it out and you know like he'd have blood running down his face and then he'd just come back for more. Like he's just he's just a big bear and you don't want to poke him. No, not at all. Uh, you don't want to poke him. He's very heavy-handed. We we used to train MMA and uh, I asked it was Tyron Woodley who's a great fighter from St. Louis. So shout out to my boy. He said that I asked him who are the most heavy-handed athletes he's worked with and he was like, "Of course you." Like, I think he was being nice, but he's like, "Yeah, you you're pretty heavy-handed," which might be true. But he goes, "Kyle, Kyle exploded a mitt, bro." Like they were they were doing I think he was like training with the Iceman and I think like one of those guys was like, "Holy shit, who the fuck is this guy?" He hit the mitt and it just exploded. They said they'd never seen anything like it. So, uh, I think Kyle, I would throw in the alley with me. Um, and that would be my little, uh, I don't want to say Mount Rushmore cause people accuse us from stealing from PMT, our boys, but my Mount Rushmore of dudes, I would take in an alley with me are those three I mentioned and, and my brother, Kyle football wise. Yeah. He put his hands on my wrist once and I was like, please make this. Don't stop. do. Yeah. You're like, don't do that. You know, like, no, he, and I, it was my, you know, it was, it was, it was just a little glimpse. It was like somebody slowly pulling open a door to be like inside here is something you've never experienced in your entire life. Inside this room is something you don't want to do. You're not even allowed Uh, to look for long. Bro, he'll come home. He'll come home and be excited to see me. And he'll just pick me up and like act like he's cracking my back. And I'm like, I don't want my back cracked, bro. Put me down. Like the fuck are we doing? We're 30. So the Donald thing because we could go on and on and on about Kyle. How is Kyle yeah. doing, by the way? Is he good? He's doing good. He's doing good, man. He's a tough kid. And and I'm very proud of him, the way he's fought through injuries over the past few years. We'll see what happens at the end of the year. Kyle, if you're listening, because you haven't answered me the past few days, I know you're in your gamer uh, cube playing, you know, one of those those uh, aerial shot games where you got to pick up, like, apples and, and backpacks and you got to acquire different things. And, like, you know, like one of those, what do they call them, RPG games? It's like Zelda, yeah, but RPGs. for people. It's like high def Zelda, and like he's literally in this this. It's almost like a a bubble. He's like Bubble Boy. If you come out of the bubble, call me. Let's book you on Fishbowl, bro. Let's get you on the Fishbowl. Perfect. So, you called this back porch. What do you want to do here? What is the question? Well, I just think of like you know I go on the back porch, and I become one with nature. And I think about uh, segments, you know, stuff I'd like to rank, things I, you know, things I'd like to run through. And last night I was just thinking about because something came up this weekend. I was watching a Mike Leach clip and it reminded me that me and Danny Amendola used to drunk dial Mike Leach all the time. Like any time of night we call Mike Leach, Mike Leach picks up. And Mike Leach does not get us off the phone. You know how some people, they drunk dial you like we've done this to each other. Like, hey, I got to go. Like, there's no got to go with Mike Leach. Mike Leach is like, <laughs> whatever you want to talk about. I used to also, we called Mike Leach from Bonnaroo and talked to him for an hour. Like an hour. I don't even remember what the call was about. There was another time, well, there was more than one time, I used to leave Greg Williams like three, four minute messages. 3 a.m. every time. He never let it, he never picked up. He always let it ring through. Uh, and I think he just has a catalog of messages from me. So I was thinking about coaches that I want to get drunk with, you know, or I'd like to drink with maybe some Belvedere, some Polska rye. Yeah. Responsibly, I, but 
responsibly. Uh, yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You would leave. Like at what point after the tenth Greg Williams call where he didn't pick up, you still made an eleventh one? Were these? What yeah, were the voicemails I got, I got, about? I got a lot to say to him. You know, a lot. A lot of I ruminate. You know, I'm 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 up ruminating. It's three a.m. I have. There's nobody to talk to. I want to talk to Greg. So did went, he like the calls yeah. or did he ever say, hey, how come you're calling me at 3 a.m.? My wife thinks something's up. No, nah, his, his his wife knows that I'm batshit crazy and that we were super cool. So he would just he would be like, you know, he'd be like, you're a fucking mess, you know, that type of thing. But um, if I had to rank them and these are current coaches and I want you I want you to weigh in on this, but you get one fantasy like, you know how you're playing a video game, you get to bring one legend back. Yeah. So, like, for me, my legend is Bum Phillips. You would, would love to just. With, yeah. Yes. I want to house 16 Bud Heavies with Bum Phillips. He used to play, I, you know, I, he was one of the top personalities um, that the NFL just ranked, and he used to play, like, dominoes with the players. He used to wear his cowboy hat, but not indoors. Because his mom used to tell him, if you wear your cowboy hat indoors, it's rude. So if they played in a dome, he wouldn't wear it. Um he just was a classic dude. I'd like to drink with him. If I had to rank the current coaches, I'm going Vrabel one. He's just, he seems like he'd be my kind of drunk. The mustache, former player. He could probably go dive bar. He could go golfing. He'd go to a function. He's probably an underdressed guy, which I like. You know, I could see him rocking a Hawaiian shirt to the wrong function. Flip-flops. Yeah, look out. Uh, high tolerance. Guarantee it. Yeah, no doubt. Second, I'm going to go with uh, Zimmer. If you're looking to drink outside, you drink with Mike Zimmer. Like, whatever you're looking to do outside, you want to mix in some some drinks. I, I think he's the guy you get blackout with in a tree stand and I, and you fall out of the tree stand. I think he's the guy, you know, you could skin a buck with and and have a few. I think I think you go ice fishing with him. His cheeks are just red as fuck. So uh, his tolerance is probably you probably can never tell that he's drunk. I just don't think. Yeah, he see, that's word. I think the thing that you're doing here with Zimmer is that it's a specific thing where you feel like Vrabel's can play. He can play in any system. He's adaptable. Where I think Zimmer, if he's at the wrong spot, like he's gonna sit there and he's gonna have a CC and ginger, and he's gonna go. This party sucks. Like mm-hmm. Zimmer's gonna tell you if the party sucks and he regrets being there. Whereas if it is a tree stand, ice fishing, red face, he's gonna be better. Not as adaptable. Oh. That's his strength. Yeah, he's more of a system drinker. Uh, yeah. Where Vrabel is a guy you plug and play, and you build and, your and game I'm plan gonna, around him. Yeah, yeah, you do. And I'm going to throw in another New England guy here. Matt Patricia is a cool ass dude to drink with. Uh, not that I've ever like directly drank with him, but you know, at some of the parties after games or whatever, you might see him. And in general, he's just a funny guy to hang hang out with off the field. I think he. He actually would would be he would crack my top three. The guys that just made just missed the cut. Oh, you know what? I might take Gruden over Patricia. I could see Gruden. You're out at a lake house, and he's not like Gruden doesn't have to tell stories the whole time. Like some guys are like, hey, tell us a story. And then it's always great. Like you can kind of I'm probably too much of a story guy at times but you know i also have to play to the audience every now and then but then i think gruden would get done hearing somebody else's story and then he would just turn to somebody and be like you'd walk by him and he would tap you on the shoulder and be like it's a fucking great lake man (laughs) it's a great lake water (laughs) some fresh water man 
You know, like, I just feel like he's his brand is perfect for what he endorses because I could see myself at a Hooters with him just downing light beer until I felt like I was pregnant. All that foam and 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 Miller Lite or Bud Light or whatever his beer of choice is. You know, wings, positivity. Like you said, a lot of shoulder slaps. A lot of shoulder slaps. He's the slaps. guy that's so positive, you're not sure if your stories are actually good. You know, like he just nods and he's like, that's a great story, man. And you're like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> the guys that just mixed, missed the cut for me are McVeigh and Vic Fangio, though. McVeigh, I think... He's probably the guy that knows all the bottle service uh, guys. Like, you know, you need, we need to get in a supper club. I can get us in a supper club, you know. Uh, I think he's got a lot I'm of I'm not energy. sure about that, though. McVeigh, McVeigh's not one to to throw it around like, hey, I need to I need to get in here. No, he's, but in he a won't. pinch. He, he, in I'm a not pinch. saying he can't do it. I don't think he's he's built. Like, I would pick McVeigh only because I think he'd be able to, like, he would he wouldn't look like if I were with Zimmer, Zimmer would be like, what's this guy's deal? Where McVeigh would be like, oh, all right, Rosillo, like, I got it. We're good. That's a better but, matchup for you. It's a way better matchup. Like Zimmer, I'd, I'd be a little nervous. I'm like, I'm not sure. Like Carol, I wouldn't be nervous around. I wouldn't be nervous around Sean Payton. Ron Rivera, I'd probably be like, I'm not going. I don't think I can go, which may not be fair to Ron. <laughs> I just don't. It might not be fair. Ron could be really fun. You know, like, I think Gase McVeigh is, is, is out. Is Gase like, I don't know. I think Gase is a wild card, bro. I think Gase is a wild card. I would, I'm willing to try. Totally. You know, I wild talked card. to him on the, yeah. Yeah. He used to coach my brother. He seemed pretty cool. I talked to him on the phone once. I think McVeigh is a vodka guy. I think he's too energetic, probably for me in my old age. And I think he's like the cool drinker, and I'm not the cool drinker anymore. All right. You texted me this morning, then we talked as we prepped up for this. The best team in the NFL is. The Saints. Wow. How far off am I? I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. It just I'm not ready to just give up on the Chiefs here and what they're going to look like at the end of this year. I know New England's schedule, as we pointed out, is I think it's the it's second easiest as of as of now behind San Francisco, two undefeated teams. Go figure. Uh, Green Bay, I think it's just worth because we're not spending a ton of time on this today. Rodgers, 25 of 31, 429, five touchdowns, no picks, 158.3 passer rating. Absolutely insane game for him against Oakland, who was actually in that game if it weren't for the car fumble at the goal line. So I'm not ready to be as definitive as you are, but go ahead. The floor is yours. Well, I think I think when you look at the Saints, you're talking about a team that is as well-coached as anybody in the league. I Sean Payton is is the Bill Parcells toughness mixed with the offensive genius of some of these young guys who I'm sure he's really tired of hearing about because what he's done since he lost his Hall of Fame quarterback is he's rattled off five straight wins. Um, you know, what a resilient team. The Minnesota Miracle or whatever they call that. Um, the L.A. loss, two straight years to get back up off the mat. And then I was wrong. I thought that, you know, I thought the Saints were the best team in the league, and what I was wrong about was that when you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback, you can't still be in the conversation for home field home field advantage. And when they have home field, they're damn near unbeatable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've got wins over the Bears, the Seahawks, the Cowboys with Teddy Bridgewater. The Seahawks win is great. We haven't talked enough about the Seahawks. They've been great. Um, 
they they got creative in ways they can win games. They found ways to to use Kamara differently uh, with Breeze out. They found ways to get Taysom Hill more involved. Um, obviously, they've got the Falcons, the Bucks, and the Fa- and the Falcons again coming up in the next four games. Like they're going to continue to win games. And the strength of schedule is third in the league where the Pats are bottom third. So, like, I get that a lot of people would say, well, the Pats are better. Isn't it fair to just say, like, based on what we've seen so far, the Saints have been more battle-tested? And so I'm going to give the nod to the team that seems very complete, especially when Drew gets back, um, and has found ways to win. The next week after they lost that game in L.A., which they get jobbed on that one call, I'm not sure it would have changed the, the entire game, but the next week... They find different ways to win. They went on a fumble return for a touchdown. They went on special teams touchdown on the road in Seattle. And Bridgewater's been efficient. Sean's done a great job. I think they're the best team in the league. Of all the playoff teams in the NFC, they have the best strength of schedule. There's some teams that are outside of that. Rams have had a tough schedule. Bears. Um, Tampa has played a ridiculous schedule so far. I know I'm not going to mention every single team so people don't freak out. And, yeah, they'd have a better strength of schedule than every team in the playoffs, both conferences other than Houston. So, yes, and they've done it defensively, which, you know, with the Saints over the years, it's funny how, like, when you're a thing, it's, oh, that's who you are. And a lot of times these identities change so much quicker than the public seems to want to catch up to. Oh, this is their style. You know, when you ever if you bring up the Ravens, you go, oh, they're doing it with defense. I know what they just did against Seattle. They haven't been a good defense this year, which is the credit to Lamar Jackson at the very beginning of this podcast. But the Saints defensively are now four straight games where they've held the opponent to under 260 total yards from scrimmage. And it hasn't happened with this franchise in a really long time. And Cam is incredible. Their secondary is good. They didn't even have Kamara, their tight end cook, yesterday. What they do have is Marcus Davenport, the other end who they spent a first-round pick on. And to see some of his pressure numbers and to see him in moments where he's not necessarily getting those sacks, like I'm watching him going, okay, this is this is the reason this kid from this small school is somebody that they were so excited about. And if you watch him in clips, you're like, why, why isn't this guy actually the most dominant defensive lineman in the entire league? Now, look, I'm not trying to make him out to be Aaron Donald or any of that kind of stuff, but – there is a ton of stuff there that tells you this team is incredibly special. And the fact they've done this with Teddy, not to knock him, but without Breeze, who is going to be coming back apparently here very shortly. And I'm curious if there'll be any Ted, Teddy Bridgewater zags, which I don't even think anybody, well, somebody on TV will do it. But there's a lot there to love. And it's part of the personnel. Like the personnel, it's not like they're getting these results going, who is this team? The personnel is there. This defense is deep. And Michael Thomas is impossible to deal with. It's it's some of Sean's best work, and I think he's right there with Frank for Coach of the Year. You want to talk about your favorite team? So you fired off a tweet over the weekend that was like, I will not be talking about the Chargers on my show on Monday. Uh, obviously, we're talking about this show. I'd like to call you a liar because I'm going to force you to talk about your favorite team. I want to play a game where you compliment the Chargers. You have to give them five compliments. Go. Uh, it freed up my day a little bit because I didn't I didn't watch the first half. And I'm mm. a Phillip Rivers fan. I've not been an anti-Phillip Rivers guy. I've, over the years, looked at this team and said, this is an incredibly talented team. Their injury situation has been as bad probably as anybody. I don't know what the overall numbers, you know, starters lost to injury. But coming into this year, there were like seven pro bowlers that they had on the injury list. 
So that's being nice. I like freed you. Up the like day you one. What's that? Freed up the day one. Okay, that's freed one up the compliment. Day. I like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. So I actually do like their uh, their weapons. I like Eckler. I don't mm-hmm. like Melvin Gordon's holdout. Uh, Not a compliment. You know what I like about it? It reminds me of wrestling as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like they are the globetrotters, except they lose. Mm-hmm. So every week, without fail, Rivers is running around. The sun is going down. There's drool, spittle all over the place. And even though the script is the same every single week, I still find myself having to... I still watch the second half. I mean, who am I kidding? Yeah, it sucks you in. You're just... You can't. I mean, like, yeah, you see that... It's a thing. Like, you mentioned wrestling. Like, it's just... It's almost like it's scripted that, like, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, we've talked about this before. They're like, the sun's going down. You're nursing a hangover. And the hangovers get bad at 6 o'clock. And it kind of could go one of two ways you could it could make you feel better about yourself watching the the Chargers struggle or it could just send you into a downward spiral because it's so uncomfortable yesterday it was more of the downward spiral for me I was really confident that in the second half that they, they would um they would cover their two and a half point spread and I was thinking about you as I hammered it and watching that whole thing go down with no sound at a sports bar during the review I'm like he's in Bad day got better. Yes. And then I'm watching people talk. And I'm watching Philip confer. And his he's just got that look on his face like he knows what's going to happen. And, uh, man, that was uh, one I'd like to have back. I know Melvin Gordon would want to have that one back. And I think Philip, I mean, there's this lasting image of him just taking off his helmet and walking to midfield because he knows the game is over. It's just like, that's why I see every week just dejected. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this situation? And usually and week after week, it's the game that's, that's over last where yes. this weekend, you know, it went off a little earlier. So I go, all right, I'm not going to watch the Tannehill Titans rivers thing. I I'll just go catch some of the second half. So I got out of the house for an hour and, and I actually taped it all anyway. And I did think it was kind of funny, like, hey, if we, this is the last we've seen of Mariota. And you're like, Mariota's playing again for Tennessee this year. He's going to play again. And Tannehill was terrific, okay? But we all know who Tannehill is, too. And it was weird, too, that I was like, wait a minute, there's another game. Like, there's another late game. Why am I lost right now? And it's because I didn't have it on the Bears at all, which you know, yeah. we, don't need to, we don't need to deal with that. Uh, we don't need to pile it on the Bears. No, we don't. We don't at this point. So, yeah, I don't think I can get to five compliments. I'm not even mad. It's not like I'm even mad about it. It just went, oh, Chargers, Tennessee. Okay, let's get out of the house for a little bit here, and we'll tape the rest of the stuff. Let's get some, you know what? You do need some air. Like, like at that point in the day, like I, you make a great point. You've been sitting there stationary for six hours, and this is the most angst you feel watching. N12, you like N12 the day before, and then the Friday night games. So yeah, that's always so your a, burnout. That's a little fussy. For me, that's a that's a yeah, bad get, Rosillo zone right there. Yeah, it's like a kid when they need to get out of the house. Like the toys, exactly. they're great. I love my playroom, but I need mom take me to the park. Like I'm not. I play with this toy a lot this weekend, and uh, it just becomes predictable. I mean, yeah, like you said, you you can set your watch to it. And I hate, I hate, I hate it for Philip Rivers. He's one of my favorites, uh, but that situation seems to be just getting worse and worse. Okay, before we go, we're gonna end with five questions, which I usually do with other guests, but unless I forget to do it, which happens a lot too, if I even have five. 
mm. which I don't even think I have. That's the beauty of this. We're going to call it five questions in honor of Craig Kilborn, but we may not always have five questions. Craig Kilborn. How about his, his Instagram is on fire, bro. His Instagram, his Kylie Minogue one is unbelievable. God, I he's wish you were on TV again some way. Just something. But he doesn't care. Like he's just like, nah, I'm good. I'm just no, good. he just like he he did the he did the um he kind of did like your guy in the book, you know, that went into the wild. Like McCandless? You know, he's like McCandless, but he in like uh Malibu Canyon life or wherever he lives. He's Carmel or something by the sea up there. Or yeah, I think he's, he's Carmel. He's Carmel in a smoking jacket uh yeah. to the Christopher McCandless uh Carhartt jacket in a in a bus in Alaska. He's I can't get enough of his videos. I don't know what to tell you. He's always been my favorite sports guy growing up. And then after that, I never worked with him. He was gone before I got there. But I know guys that worked with him were like, all the guy, the guy was like, we just got to get to LA, man. We got to get out of here. We got to get out to California. <laughs> and I think the story goes like before he got to ESPN, he was at some smaller market California station, but he purposely lived out by that sea area. I, I know he has a place in LA now and I know he tags it all. So I don't want to act like I'm selling out his location. Yeah, but I don't want to dox. I don't want to dox Craig Craig Kilborn. No, we're not. But I just, I know he doesn't live up in that. I just know that he's he's been up there. But he does tag his LA setup or whatever. And I'll admit, maybe I shouldn't share. I don't know. I wanted to share <laughs> share something with him, and I didn't get right back to him. So he was like, "Hey, are you like hitting me up for a a business op?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, the disrespect! Like, I would never do that to you." I just was going to share something. He's kind of like a legend to you, huh? Yeah, he really is. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie that I think I'm pretty numb to all of it and cool, but he I think the first it would take me a second drink to just chill the fuck out a little bit. Where I'd have to be like, "Okay. Now we're we're in a group." We should, we should go see him. Craig, can we come see you? Yeah, can we come visit you? But we may have a couple white claws on the ride up. In an Uber yeah, and then responsibly. We'll, yeah. 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 All right, um, here we go. There were questions so, here somewhere. Five questions, Kilborn style. The Kylie Minogue video is unbelievable. Because you know what? That Kylie Minogue song bangs. It just bangs. Okay, have you ever waited all game for a revenge hit on a player? Yeah, but the problem with revenge hits are players move really fast and they're like moving targets. And you not only have to do that, you have to beat a block and then go like be in the right situation. So... I'm a little slow and white to do the revenge hit thing. It's like getting there can be an issue. So you don't have one? You don't have one that you ever were like, I'm going to get this guy? Nothing notable enough. Like somebody might have lit me up. You know, one time, funny enough, Jameis tripped me on the way back. Like he threw a 30-yard uh, pass and I pressured him. And we're both running down the field. I think it was like a two-minute situation. And I trip and fall. And I'm like, I know I'm not this fucking uncoordinated. And I look up and I hop up because I'm about to like get in somebody's sh like face. And Jameis is kind of chuckling, but he's looking straight ahead, like no eye contact. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even mad at you. I kind of, I kind of like that, but I'm going to. He went no eye I'm contact? He went no eye contact, like kind of with that slick, like laugh, like, yeah, it was me. And uh, I'm like, this guy is like a lottery draft pick. He's got all this on his plate and he still has the wherewithal to trip a big scary guy with tattoos all over his arms like that's trying to kill him so the rest of the game yeah i wanted to hit him 
but I wasn't my best that year. I was very um, hobbled. Never got there. And you don't need to be tripped when you're not 100% anyway. Okay, next one. Toughest no, that was guy. Really fucked up. Yeah, toughest guy. I remember watching those at home. They're like, you just looked like your pelvis was out. Me? Yeah, game. my pelvis was, yeah, my, my, uh, my tibia was broken uh, on the heels of an ankle surgery. Yeah, it was bad. I can always tell, like, when a guy, a bigger guy's hurt, especially somebody who's like a rusher for you. But it's not so much the burst or the movement. It's how bad is it once you stop running and you have to slow yourself down? Oh, and that's when you can see how start. hurt a guy is. Yeah. You need that. It's like you need that 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 sand trap on the side of the highway to, you know, the trucks run into. Like I could have used one of those. Toughest guy you've ever had to tackle. <sighs> There's a few. I would say, you know, Marshawn comes to mind right off the bat. I've 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 made like a cape and jumped on his back before and gone about eight yards like he was fucking Zorro. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I've also stopped him dead in the hole. So it's all about angles with Marshawn. Like you hit him right in the side, you face him up and you got help coming. You got a shot. I've done that. But if you jump on his back, there's too much forward momentum. Like you need the troops to show up. Another one would be uh, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, that your angles are, your angles are insufficient. It's like, you know, you're running after him. You're like, this angle works on everybody else. And like, it's almost like, it's just like error, not fast enough, error, not fast enough. Like the machine in my head is like warning, <laughs> not working. Like I, Michael Turner was like a bowling ball. Yeah. Good one. In Atlanta, you would just bounce off him. And then a quarterback, I'm going to give you a, um, I did sack Michael Vick, but it was kind of a gimme. Tavares Jackson was the toughest quarterback to ever tackle. I slid down his leg like a, like it was a stripper pole and they blew, they blew the, they blew the play dead. I was like just gripping his ankle, trying to, you know, wait for somebody to show up and they blew it dead. But he was, he used to back up, um. I forget who he backed up in Seattle. So we played him every now and again. He was in Minnesota. Strongest quarterback I've had to tackle in the pocket ever. Hey, last one. We saw it with Tariq Cohen where he had a play. And he's been kind of on Twitter because everybody's been making fun of him that the guys on the Saints were basically saying, like, you're too short. Look how short you are. But Cohen got a pass in the flat, and he actually made a play. And then he kind of ran over the defensive back. But then – he may have said something to Peyton or Peyton said something to him. I don't like, and I don't know who initiated, so I'm not taking sides. I don't care. But I don't like when I do see coaches. I'll see, it's always like a strength guy or it's some guy in the khakis and the air maxes and like an opposing player is on his sideline and he starts talking shit to him. And I personally hate it. One, because there's a good chance every player out there could beat up most of the coaches, maybe except for a couple of the strength guys. Who knows? But then it's like, dude, I'm in pads out here playing. Like mm -hmm. you're just sitting there with your your sideline pass. Like with your dry fit shirt that I could get on right. East Bay. Yeah. So has that ever happened to you? Because it always bugs me when I watch it, even though I know what's not. I, I, look, I'm sure there are times when a coach is only responding because he's sick of hearing it from a player, but you know, I don't know. I used to wait for a coach to put their hands on me, just like praying. I would pray for like, at night when I went to sleep, I would pray for like good health, like world peace, and like that a motherfucker would, <laughs> that a coach would put their hands on me. So after all the dumb shit I've heard you say, 
whether it's an opposing coach or my own coach, that you would put your hands on me and that I could actually take out some of this frustration. I, it, it never happened to me with an opposing coach that I can remember. But, like, you watched the game this weekend. You see the Pruitt thing? Yeah, I thought that was totally overblown. He you thought it was overblown. Him. I think I would ask you this, though. What would you do if that if if a quarterback grabbed his coach by the collar and told him to calm the fuck down? Would that be It wrong? would be handled differently. Um, it would lead to all sorts of different conversations. Um, I, I, I know what you're saying, and we're going to disagree. I don't think it's the end of the world. What I don't Jeremy think it's the end of the world. I just, I, I just think it's a bad look. It's a bad look. Um, and like, there's plenty of ways to get your point across besides yanking a dude's face mask down. And listen, I get the like the old schools, like you know, we're tough, etc. Like, how tough are you if you're just going to take that from another grown man? Like, there's no other workplace. And by the way, most players are getting paid more than the coaches. I mean, not most, but um, what are you? Because that SEC? was college. Yeah, in oh. the SEC, most most in the SEC, most players are getting paid more than the coaches. But I would just say, if you're going to say that, I, the follow-up question is: Are you okay if I if I yoke a coach up? Probably not. No, no one's going to say that that's okay. I get your point. But specific to the Pruitt one and the way it plays out, now people are just turning anyone that ever touches anybody's face mask. It's like the end of the world. And Well, there's a I line thought, there. They're, I thought they're... Pruitt was like, look, and Pruitt let go immediately. I'm not, your point is understood. I don't know if it's a generational. I like tough coaching, Chris. I like tough coaching. That's just So me. what if some, if, what if Bill Simmons walked into your little Manhattan Beach studio, knocked over all your fucking, um, crate and barrel seashells and your restaurant knocked all your restoration hardware furniture over and just grabbed you by your pima cotton gray sweatshirt that you're wearing right now and just shoved you against the wall and said hey wake up motherfucker we need a better pod with chris long on mondays yeah i wouldn't love it is the simple answer but whenever we're trying to do normal workplace scenarios with football I just like to me, it's like just stop the analogy, you know, like not that I want to stick up for, you know, let me put it this way. Like whenever a a player says, hey, we're warriors, we're going out there to fight a battle like you guys need to get your yourselves in a, in a mindset that's different than everybody else that goes to work. OK, and I I love that part of what you do. I'm jealous of it every time I'm at a college game and I see these kids coming out of the tunnel. And I think to, and I've said this before, like I've never feel more worthless then when I watch this group coming out being like, I wish more than anything I'd been good enough to kind of go fight this kind of fight and do that kind of shit. And that's okay. So whenever anybody goes like, oh, you know, the real warriors are overseas. You're like, hey, you know what, man? Yes. You're right. But, but, but for <laughs> these dudes on Saturday and Sunday, their workplace, like this is the way it's done. So sometimes people outside the world try to tell you how it should be done inside your world when in inside your world, yes, some things are outdated, things have gotten better, things could improve, but it doesn't always mean everybody on the outside is always right. So where I give the football mentality, I don't even want to say a pass. I just think I'm a realist about it. I'm also a realist in the case that, yes, Bill Simmons could not show up to my house, start pushing me around. And then because like, of that, I have to be mad at any coach that touches a player's face mask, especially in a way what we saw with Pruitt, which I thought I didn't see it live because I taped it to go get something to eat. And when I saw Twitter, I'm like, oh, no. And then I watched it and went, OK, well, this was predictable. It's never as bad as Twitter makes it. Of course. But not. I mean, you kind of make you kind of make my point for me is 
you're running out of the tunnel to put your body on the line and bust your ass for these coaches, that's even more the reason why you shouldn't be grabbed up. And not to mention, when you're in college, you're not getting paid. I'm not getting paid for this shit. But they can grab you up. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's all. No, and that's it's not fair and I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just there's a there's a level to it, right? There's a level to it. Because there's been other cases I hope where Bill, I, I hope Bill comes in your house and just grabs you by by your face and just shakes you, just shakes Wednesdays, the shit out of you. Wednesdays aren't weird enough. Okay, your your new uh, website. Give it to the people. Yeah, um, we don't. You know, we we got a YouTube channel. Uh, check us out at Chalk Media on YouTube. Again, we got the fishbowl rolling out. I got my show coming out maybe by the end of the week. I'm going to go out there tomorrow and, and and fire up a mock pod. And if it's good enough, we might just post that motherfucker. I love it. All right, that's Chris Long. I'm Ryan Rossillo. The NBA gets started Tuesday night. I'll be doing a live show with The Ringer uh, right around tip-off. I think Bill and I are going to hang out and do a live show, and that might end up being the pod. And then you know we'll figure out the rest of this because there's still some college football stuff that I definitely want to do. So we will talk to you. Next week, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Ryan Rosillo podcast with Chris Long on every Monday. Mm-hmm.